Welcome to Muse Views, the podcast for the Muse community about the Muse community. Muse is a nonprofit education networking group for users of the Meditech electronic health record system. Here on our podcast, we chat with healthcare IT folks about ideas, opportunities, strategies, and solutions to improve work life experiences and share views you can use. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, TJ Temple. Thank you for joining us today. Today on the podcast, I'm happy to be joined by two exciting guests as we discuss all things interfaces and interoperability. I'm pleased to welcome back to the podcast, Sherry Montelion, CIO at Citizens Memorial Hospital in Bolivar, Missouri. Sherry has over four decades of IT experience and has been with Citizens more than half of them, starting as an IT manager in 2000. During her time at the organization, Citizen has won numerous awards and accolades for their leadership in the use of healthcare information technology, including the prestigious HEMS-Davies Awards of Excellence for their use of the Meditech EHR, the Chime Most Wired Award, which they've held for 13 consecutive years now, and the Most Wired Innovator Award presented annually to only three hospitals in the nation. CMH is a shining example of how small and mid-sized community-based healthcare organizations can be true leaders and innovators. Sherry, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, TJ. Thank you for the invitation. I'm excited to be here. Also today, we're joined by Meditech's Senior Director of Interoperability, Marketing, and Product Strategy, Mike Cordero. Mike is focused on furthering the adoption of Meditech's interoperability solutions to support provider and patient access to important health information. Under Mike's leadership, Meditech has significantly expanded the company's data sharing capabilities, launched its Greenfield Workspace app development environment, created the rapidly expanding Meditech Alliance of partner organizations with proven interoperability solutions and services, and helped raise Meditech's profile as a leader and innovator in health interoperability. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, TJ. I'm really happy to have you guys both on. I think it's going to be an exciting uh, topic for the Muse community. So, so Sherry, let's start with you. Uh, we've worked together for many years, and, and I know interoperability is a passion of yours. Um, you've always been pushing the envelope when it comes to integration and interfacing. Many listeners might remember, actually, but it's been 10 years ago, which is kind of weird to think about, but you did the famous, at least in my mind, Interface, Integrate, Innovate presentation back at Muse, and you won the IEE prize for that and got to go over to Liverpool for that great presentation. So you've been pushing this envelope for you know many years, probably before that, but you've been winning prizes for 10 years. So that's great. That was really exciting and such an opportunity, and it was so cool to be able to network with the, um, you know, international clients and realize that they have tea and biscuits during their breaks. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It is pretty cool over there. Except that when they start talking about consultants and um, theaters, they're actually talking about physicians and operating rooms, not, you know, IT consultants and movie theaters. So that took me a bit. (laughs) So Sherry, talk to us a little bit about your general strategy at CMH regarding interoperability and, you know, tell us some things you're doing today and and what that looks like in the future. Sure. So, you know, our first strategy is to not have to integrate, quite honestly. Our first strategy is always going to be use Meditech if at all possible. I, I think that's just always a win we we there are times when you have to integrate you know we have an ophthalmology EMR that Meditech there's just no way it can connect directly to all of the different modalities it's very specialized like packs or cardiac packs there are times when you have to integrate but boy we only do it as a last option because even with the best integration today you're still losing something. You know, you're losing quality measures, social determinants of health. I know the APIs will catch up eventually, 
But for now, you really, even with the best integration, are doing some double work. So, so we really try to keep everything in Meditech. If we can't and we have to integrate, we go all in. So we, we basically ask all the questions, get the vendors together. What's the most we can do? You know, sometimes it's a hybrid approach. We're doing traditional HL7. We're doing files from DR. We're, we're using an API. Uh, we're using a contextual launch. We're trying to make it to where our users can stay in the system they need to be in. So if you're a radiologist, you just need to stay in PACS. If you're an ophthalmologist, you need to stay in your, you know, IMD EMR and everyone else needs to stay in Meditech. So, so we, we feel an obligation to do the, the best integration possible. Meditech thankfully has lots of different options. We also go all in, in the beginning, we've learned the hard way that when you buy a system that you think you're going to integrate, you need to do it at the beginning because there is nothing worse than going back in, having to do all of the cleanup on the patient demographics. So if the system supports an ADT feed, I don't care if you think you're ever going to share anything but that, you need to share (laughs) the ADT feed. Uh, We also try to respect the patient's wishes in all integration with our opt-out consent. So, uh, you know, when you're registered, you can opt out of data sharing. Obviously, there are things that you have to share, but if it is elective sharing, you know, we use that opt-out flag to make sure that that data does not flow for those patients. So, so we, we feel like the improvement in patient safety, the efficiency for the users all makes integration a really important part of our uh, electronic medical record. Great. Thanks for sharing. So Mike, talk to us about how what Sherry's doing at CMH kind of aligns with what Meditech is thinking. Obviously, I'm sure you're pro use Meditech for everything you can, um, but talk to us kind of how those things align with Meditech strategy. Yeah. So I, I think for the past, I don't know, I would say 12 months now, maybe a little bit longer, you know, we've been messaging Expanse as a platform, right? So not a closed box EHR, but an EHR platform. And part of that messaging is predicated on, you know, investments we've made in the technology utilized when this spans from an interoperability perspective. So by that, I mean the majority of our development resources today in time from an interop perspective goes to adoption and creation of RESTful-based integrations as opposed to the legacy transactional stuff that we've all been used to. Our investments in what we're doing with, with RESTful API, and, and for the most part, similar to how we always approach the transactional stuff, we're trying to adhere to standards as much as possible. So our investment's mainly in FIRE, but that's based on the work we do with a number of different work groups like Argonaut, like Commonwealth, Fast, etc. So, um, you know, we have folks in those work groups actually authoring specifications, writing implementation guides. So, our investment is not in just enabling technologies within Expanse, but actually making a difference for the industry as a whole in pushing forward that adoption and in, in, in those use cases. So, you know, we stood up Greenfield Workspace as a platform by which we're allowing these third-party app developers who complement Expanse. And I love like Sherry's point is that, you know, definitely utilize the the power of Expanse from a workflow perspective. But when there are needs to complement those workflows with third-party apps, we obviously want to make sure that we have the tools and the technologies available to do that. Um, so that's what we've enabled through Greenfield Workspace is an opportunity for these app developers to come in, um, test their product against Expanse, and actually prove that their solution is integrated and works using these modern technologies. 
Great. So Sherry, talk to us a little bit about, you know, if something was to come out of that greenfield space or, or Meditech comes out with a new, you know, interoperability uh, initiative or a tool, if you want to call it that, how does citizens evaluate whether, you know, that's what they're going to use or do you take that to like an IT steering committee or, or tell us kind of about the process you use to evaluate those tools? Well, it's funny you say that because actually I have been terrorizing Mike and his group about a little bit more clarification on what is really available when you say, you know, a fire API like what data elements are available. We're very used Mm -hmm. to being able to go to the interoperability page on metatech.com and see the traditional HL7 specs. You know exactly like, oh, this is going to send an order and this is going to bring back a a result. API was a little fuzzier to me on Mm -hmm. how exactly, how do I know what data elements are being shared or included? And of course, another vendor will just say, do you have a Fire API And you say, yeah, but I don't know for sure what it's included. So they do have a good page that you can go to for the API specs. I think they're improving them as well. I think it's all evolving. And the best thing you can do is basically just open an issue with Meditech. You know, if you've got a vendor that says, do you have an API? You just get Meditech and the vendor together and decide you know, how the data is going to be shared. He did clarify for me that the API, for the most part, shares the data in the U.S. core, kind of the U.S. CDI standard, and that helped a lot. Then I knew what data elements. But but we try to network with other users. You know, the Muse community is fabulous. We hosted a mini Muse this year. We're going to host, host another one next year. Getting right. people together, sharing ideas, just finding out, you know, how do you get that PDF filed back in to the EMR if Meditech doesn't have a base 64 inbound ORU, you know, that type of thing. So, right. so we just always are asking. Cool. Yeah. I think those are great points for anyone who's interested in the data points that Sherry had mentioned relative to what we have from, uh, from a Fire API perspective. So obviously we support patient access US course. So if you go to fire.meditech.com, that will give you a layout of what's publicly available from an API, RESTful API perspective. But to Sherry's point, we're actually changing some of our methodology there to start documenting our APIs relative to workflows, as opposed to just saying, you know, this is a patient, you know, API and it'll return the patient resource or something. We are actually um, starting to do some work on how we document use cases related to the implementation of those APIs. And I think the other thing that we've done in, in Sherry's part of is we created the Interop and Data Collaborative at Meditech. So it's a it's a group of Meditech clients and, and the purpose of it is to further promote interoperability solutions available within Expanse and to showcase those solutions to the rest of the Meditech community. And our hope is through that collaborative is how we can actually show the power of Expanse and the, the various interop capabilities that are available to you. I think Meditech, in my opinion, maybe doesn't do a good enough job promoting the capabilities of the platform and, and, and they are vast. So hopefully through the collaborative, through some improved documentation efforts and, and some better messaging, we can get the word out that there are a lot of tools available to the Meditech community. Great. So I, I think, Mike, having those use cases out there would be great because, you know, that, that'll help communicate that to maybe non-IT folks or, you know, other Meditech users that can understand, you know, even what an API is and how it can be utilized, you know, getting past all the specific data points and those sort of things. But this is actually how you use this. And this is what it can do for your patients or, you know, your organization. So I think that's a, a great way to approach that. 
Uh, Mike, you mentioned the uh, data collaborative that, that Sherry is a part of. I know that kind of came out of the Meditech Live event that you had a few months ago. Tell us a little bit about what went on at that event and, and what was discussed in the area of data sharing and operability and kind of what the outcome of that event was and what you might see in the future. Yeah, so the, the purpose of, of that first collaborative meeting was was essentially to kick off this movement that we're trying to create in that, you know, Expanses has such an arsenal of interoperability tools available that we want to obviously educate our customers on what they have and actually talk through those use cases. So, you know, we're not all things to everyone and, and we know that we have a lot to improve on, but you know, getting that direct feedback on what makes sense from a use case perspective, what might fall short, how can we change it? I think a good example is access to data for purposes of treatment, right? That has been out there for years now as a result of a, being a regulatory driver. And I think, Sherry, you right now today and time connect to your local HIE for, for some of that data. And I think you're going to start doing some work with the Commonwealth Network. But there's a lot of data now being shared, um, maybe to a point where sometimes you're hearing from clinicians, hey, turn this off, it's too much, right? So, you know, through some of the work with the collaborative, we're talking about how can we potentially improve some of those workflows? Does it make sense to bring all that data in at once? Should we just show what's out there and then allow someone to choose all the cart what they want to see? How can we better aggregate data together? So some of those those use cases, some of those workflows, even being participants in, in kind of some of the pilot work that we're doing, you know, Google search and summarize is a great example, right? How can the power of those tools surface insights from all of those external documents without having to have someone go back and read them and and getting our, our customers to to pilot some of those efforts and then give us feedback on that stuff is important in especially how we gain adoption and usability for our products. So those were kind of the overall objectives and goals of that collaborative. Jerry, talk to us a little bit about your experience being part of that collaborative. I mean, what did you gain out of it? And and just kind of tell us what your takeaways were. Oh, I'm always excited to participate in that stuff because I love thinking that all of us working together are going to make a difference and make things better. You know, the Meditech people are super smart, working at a very high level. I hope that the clients that are involved are going to be able to kind of bring it down to real life. Like Mike Mm -hmm. said, the interoperability right now on the transition of care documents. And it isn't a Meditech thing. They've got great tools, but it's really like in Missouri, you know, some of us are participating with the state HIE and it's a bi-directional XDR exchange, which I don't love because it's a consolidated CCD that's pretty bloated. And I don't want those all filed in my system, really. I mean, we see most of our patients repeatedly and upon every discharge, we send a CCD. Upon every admission, we pull one back. You know, the clinicians may not need to look at those, so I don't want them all in my system. I love the method that he was talking about where maybe you would just be presented with all the episodes and the data. You choose what you want and you only bring that in, a more federated model than we have today. We are going to proceed with Commonwealth as well as the HIE because it seems like it's going to provide us a more episodic note that is more pertinent to the transition of care that we are normally doing. So, you know, we're going to do both of them and see which one really provides our providers the data they need when they need it. You know, since we have the long-term care facilities, that's probably one of our biggest use cases to need that transition of care data. You know, we get a patient admitted on a Saturday from another facility and we have no idea what their medical history is. So we're excited to be part of it and to think that we can help make a difference. 
Where is that Commonwealth rollout kind of on your timeline? Is that like a first quarter 24 thing or? Yeah, it is. Actually, we have not yet filled out all the paperwork because it sounds like today Commonwealth has a kind of a manual uh, patient enrollment process, Mm -hmm. which I don't want to be a barrier to the registration staff. But it sounds like an improvement is coming where it is going to be more of an auto patient registration. And Mike can correct me if I'm wrong, but I th- I'm right now need to decide, should we go ahead and proceed with implementation and there's no material change when the enrollment's easier or do I wait? Yeah. So right now we do have enhancements to allow you to auto enroll and link the patient. That is sitting in a recent priority pack. So I think we just need to work through what your release status is and and how we can get you those changes. But yeah, it was prior to this most recent set of changes, a manual enrollment process. I think everyone's going to be interested in that. We take priority pack. We're Expanse 2.1, priority pack 46 today. We take 52 and to test in January and live in February. So I think that automating that enrollment is going to be great for everybody. Yeah. Interesting. Well, thanks for sharing that, Sherry. I should ask that up front, kind of what you guys were at. So you're at 2.1. Do you have the uh, 2.2 migration on your timeline at all? We do. I'm assuming it will happen late next year or early into 25. Uh, We have a few challenges, other systems that aren't quite ready for web yet. But we're excited for 2.2 because of our long-term care patients mm-hmm. and the continuing care medications. There's some really nice enhancements, but we, we have some challenges right now moving everybody to web. Gotcha. Well, Sherry, we've talked about kind of your interoperability between your systems and, and you know sharing of data between clinicians and other hospitals and stuff. But let's change this focus a little bit to patients. I know you've always been kind of a portal first organization. You know, even when Denny was there back in the day, she was, uh, you know, pushing the portal long before other facilities even thought about doing it. So kind of talk to us about how you're using interoperability and, and data exchange for your patients' use and what methods you are using there. And you might even mention, I just happen to know that you're if you're still using the digital whiteboards in your patient rooms, that's a pretty cool thing you're doing there. Yeah, we are. Uh, so we use, uh, like I said, we try to squeeze all the juice out of it we can, and we our interoperability is on all fronts. So the digital whiteboards you're talking about basically are just, we are using a, a web page to pull data in from our nurse call system and DR. So we're big DR users, and then it displays that data in the patient room so the patient knows who their caregiver is and what they reported their last pain level and what their anticipated discharge date is and tries to just provide some transparency to the patients and their families. We use the Meditech portal, the mHealth app, and I know there are other portals out there, but to us, it has all of the value and we're heavy users of it. We're always working on trying to improve adoption and we're trying to figure out, does that mean that we literally go out to the Lions Club and church and, you know, how in the world can we grassroots get more people signed up for the portal? We have about 30% of our patients on the portal and those that use it are very heavy users. I'm always surprised whenever I look at the statistics. The value in the portal to us is we're pushing the new features that allow us to remove barriers to care. And, you know, we're using the portal to let people save their place for appointments for walk-in clinic. We're letting them use it to self-schedule their own screening mammo. 
We're looking at allowing people to self-schedule their own screening colonoscopy and basically just removing any of the silly barriers we've had in healthcare for a long time. Mm-hmm. We do have, you know, through the APIs in Meditech, you can use Apple Health. I have it. Uh, you can use actually Apple Health Share. Um, which is where I can actually share all the data I've aggregated into Apple Health back to Meditech, and it's a smart on fire launch over. We had one other portal that asked for API access, and we granted it because it, you know, we didn't really have an Android solution. So, you know, we have that API there, and uh, so far there hasn't been a big run on portals asking for access. Well, the 30% numbers there is really interesting to me in a couple of ways. One, you guys have been pushing this for, you know, 15 plus years probably, and you're only at 30%. And and you guys probably have more perks or offerings on your portals than some people just have the portal stuff that's that's out there just, just to be compliant with, you know, regulatory stuff. So I guess what I'm mentioning that is, is what a challenge it is. I mean, to, you know, you've been working on this for there that long and you have all this available options and, and data and, you know, instant access to lab results and those sort of things. And it's still a struggle for you all. So, you know, I, I don't know, Mike, do you have any thoughts on, on what the industry can do to kind of get the patient more engaged in their health through, you know, obviously the handheld devices and stuff will help. And, and maybe as younger folks get into more healthcare use, that will, that will help as well. But it's just very interesting that someone, an organization like Sherry's is, after all that great work is still only at 30%. Yeah. I kind of feel that, especially going into 2024, I think there might be more of a focus on kind of patient engagement efforts. The reason I th- think that is I, I read, uh, like you can now get digital care through your Amazon Prime membership, right? Or you now can get diagnostic testing done at Walmart. Yeah. So there's going to have to be some competition Petition maybe with some health systems against some of these large box retailers that are kind of entering the healthcare space. So my thought is that there's going to have probably have to be more focus around patient engagement and technology because as folks that are accustomed to using technology in their day-to-day lives, they're probably going to want that convenience factor relative to how they approach scheduling appointments, managing care, they interact with clinicians. Um, so Meditech is put a a lot of effort around obviously enhancing and improving our patient engagement solutions, that being the portal, that being Expanse Patient Connect. But we've also made investments from an API perspective beyond just patient access, but also conforming to uh, the Argonaut IG for patient access to scheduling, for allowing that self-scheduling feature. Um, We've added some additional API capabilities relative to allowing third parties to interact with us as it relates to the patient pharmacy preference, refills requests, bill payments. So ultimately, we need to continue to build that arsenal for patient access, patient engagement, because I think that'll be one of the mechanisms, technology be one of the mechanisms by which health systems are going to be able to compete moving forward with kind of some of these new market entrants. Yeah, great. Good thoughts. So Sherry, a couple of follow-up questions on that. One, uh, Mike mentioned, you know, getting your your healthcare through virtually through Prime. Are you guys using the Meditech virtual visits through the portal or do you have another solution for that? No, we use Meditech virtual visits and uh, started using them during COVID. Thankfully, we were ready and were able mm-hmm. to see thousands of patients with virtual visits. I look at the stats every once in a while. It, it actually has become so secondhand to us that people don't talk about it much. You know, right. thankfully, <laughs> it just shows up on the provider's you know schedule. 
yeah. they just know, oh, this patient I'm seeing virtually and this one I'm not. I have a mm -hmm. family member that is getting a colonoscopy next month. There's a pre-op visit and we're mm -hmm. able to do that virtually. So oh. we are also doing mobile integrated health, which is where we're sending basically uh, community paramedics out into the counties, the rural areas, and they're able to use virtual visits to, you know, connect those patients with the provider. And, and I oh. agree with Mike. I mean, I, we believe our competition is not just, you know, the, the facility down the road. Our competition now are the insurance carriers yeah. uh, who are wanting to grab those first dollars. It's CVS. It's, you know, everybody out there. I think people will do what is easiest. Water runs mm -hmm. downhill. And yep. we just have to make sure that, that the Meditech portal has all the value and is easy to use. Great. And my second question there was, you, you talked about using the self-scheduling and allowing your patients to do that. One, one thing I've seen organizations struggle with there is not really the technology, but the physicians allowing, you know, the, the block schedules and the, you know, allowing to give up some of that control. So how did you guys get over that barrier? That has, that is so funny that you would say that because that is really the biggest barrier. And I'm so proud of all of our staff that they allowed us to roll it out. Now, uh, MAMO self-scheduling was the first thing we did, and there is not a more particular group than the MAMO <laughs> group. And they, right. and rightfully so they have sure. uh, additional certifications and regulations, but I literally remember the three of them standing with their arms crossed, leaning against a wall. And me telling them, look at how many patients we have that are eligible for MAMOs. You know, we need to make it easy for them. Why would we not do this? And so we ended up, you know, they, they told us all the reasons it wouldn't work. And we ended up saying, well, let's see what we can do. If you say you might need to pull studies, then we'll give you 30 days. Their first appointment could be 30 days out. We just won't mm -hmm. let them schedule until it's 30 days out. We'll give you a work list so you can make sure you review them. We'll make sure that it's a screening memo and not a diagnostic memo with the list of questions. And if one of those questions fails, it bumps them to a screen that says, you know, you need to call us. And we started small. We literally yeah. said, how about just four appointments a day? Right. Let's do that. And so it was, that's how we chipped away at it was we met them, all of their requirements and then just started small. And then I check and it's so funny because the numbers just keep rising and rising. We saved my spot in the walk-in clinic, same thing. Uh, we started with just a few appointments at a few walk-in and now they've said, we're going to go live with everybody in January. So I'm just tickled okay. that we could, you know, meet all the requirements and the demand is there. Yeah. Well, that's a great approach to do it. I think some people don't realize that you can get pretty granular with what you allow. You know, you can only allow certain types of visits for certain providers on certain days and, you know, between certain hours and stuff. So it, rolling into it, easing into it like that is great. And and what kind of feedback have you heard from your scheduling staff? It's got to be taking some some sort of workload off them, I would assume. It has. And like I said, it's kind of just become mainstream. So I haven't gone back yet to say, okay, now can we open up some more slots right. per day? Well, what we figured out is you can't push. You have to be able to meet all their requirements, start small, and then go back and start reporting the numbers and say, look, we're using 100% of our self-scheduling visits every day. So yeah. 
this should help everybody. It's less work for you. It's better for the patient. The other thing that a lot of sites don't realize is that you do not have to have a portal to use these features, a Meditech portal, because there is an onboarding link that in the old days to onboard with the mHealth portal, it almost took HIM doing it for you. But you can actually publish an onboarding link that if you have a portal, it launches you to your portal. If you don't have, it just signs you up right away. Mm-hmm. So there's no delay. Right. Yeah, that's nice. All right. So let's transition over to a, another discussion here uh, about Tefka. Um, and I, this is not something I was real familiar with, but if Mike can give us a kind of an intro of this. So it's Trusted Exchange Framework and Common Agreement is what Tefka stands for. If we didn't need uh, some more mnemonics in the Meditech and healthcare <laughs> space, we've, we've got more. So Mike, just give us a little bit of a background on this. And then Sherry, you can kind of talk to us about what Citizens is looking at using this for, or, or maybe you know not using it, or what your approach is for it. Yeah, so so Tafka is ONC's attempt at promoting interoperability at scale, right? So it is establishing an exchange framework and creating these networks that they're calling quality health information networks. And so through this exchange framework, these networks now need to interoperate with each other and share data using kind of the same rules of engagement. So similar to how, you know, your cell phone providers, you're able to have whatever carrier you choose and, and you're able to communicate with folks in on, on, on different carriers. Same is true here. So regardless of what QHIN you participate in, um, that QHIN will then, through this framework, talk to other QHINs and ultimately achieve this national exchange framework. I think the other kind of key concept here for TEFCA, right, and one of the main focuses still today in time is access to data for the purposes of treatment, right? So exchanging those CCDs, well, Tefka offers a lot more than, or, or the approved use cases through Tefka are a lot more than just treatment. It's individual access, it's public health, it's payment, it's operations. So ultimately, creating that framework that allows that kind of national interoperability at scale for a number of kind of permitted use cases is what I think the ONC is after here. I think right now Tefka is, is voluntary. There's some incentives in which, you know, you're able to buy a testing that you're participating through QN Gitch, get all of your interop- promoting interoperability points. But right now it's mainly optional. So I, I, I foresee it not being that in the future, but, but now it is. Sure. So I don't know, Sherry, do you have an overall Tefka strategy or are you thinking about it? Um, you know, we hear about it and it is a future regulation to us. We're currently most focused on doing what's right for us and the patients, you know, as far as providing good documentation for clinical transitions of care. But we want to make sure that we align with a vendor that will end up in the TEFCA framework. And I assume Commonwealth will. It sounds like the HIE in Missouri, which used to be Mo Health Connect and now is consolidated with Velatura out of, I think, Minnesota, they say that they are also going to be a QHIN. So I think we'll be okay either way. And I'm excited, I guess I hope that it is when we can kind of, you know, come up with some rules on, I don't want a CCD that gives me data, you know, 120 pages back to 1999 that has no value. I'm hoping that it is going to be the thing that will let us pick and choose and make sure that we have signal and not noise on on this interoperability. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I definitely think that that's where where it's going, right? So there is de- there is a fire roadmap. The ONC does have a fire roadmap beyond just this first iteration of of what of what the Tefka rules are. And to your point, 
when you look at it face value, tough, you know, the, the exchange that's being promoted is the CCD, right? Not optimal. You know, I think we started this podcast talking about, you know, I talked about Meditech's investment in, in the infrastructure and technology, modern technologies for data sharing. I believe that that fire is a solution there in that, you know, having that the data in a format in which you could more singularly exchange the data points you want without having to exchange a 30 page document is is one of the key components of that framework. So I'm, I'm actually excited. And it's one of the things that Meditech is doing now is we're taking a look at how can we promote discrete data exchange through the network to kind of get to that holy grail of interoperability, right data, right time, right user. We're starting to coin that, you know, intelligent interoperability. So that's definitely the path and the journey we're on is to use, you know, these regulatory drivers and the technology advancements that are coming as a result of them to kind of further interoperability and, and improve care and, and reduce burden. And so I think it's an exciting time. It is. And, you know, the analogy to me is in the old days, you get a 60 page fax from the other <laughs> facility and you pull one page out of it. That was the right. page you needed. And, and really what our providers need to, to be able to provide care efficiently is they're usually just looking for, I want to see the last discharge summary from anyone in this area, or I want to mm -hmm. see the last set of lab values. We don't really want the entire chart from the other facility. We just want something. And being able to present that and only consume it if you need it, to me, is the win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, meaningful use kind of set the path for everyone to be digital and get everything electronic. And, and now we're there. So this is kind of the next you know, natural progression into now everybody's digital and we don't have so much paper anymore. How do we exchange this stuff in a meaningful way? Right. And that was a great analogy, Sherry. I hadn't thought about it that way. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for your time today. You've, you've, we've covered a lot of topics, a lot of uh, interesting discussions around interoperability and anybody have anything to kind of wrap this up or any last things to share with the Muse community? I would just say, keep a lookout for our mini muse that we're going to have in, I think it's March or April. I don't remember the exact date. Of course, the Mew, international muse that's coming up the end of May is always just such a great time to interact. And I would, I would recommend that technical or interoperability people or pop health people show up at that. A lot of times I think sites think that it is all clinical and that is right. not the case. You know, they now have a technical track and a technical person can stay busy all day, every day learning. Yeah, great point, Cherry. Thank you. I think I want to kind of leave some parting remarks relative to the fact that I, I encourage folks to either reach out to your, to your interop support team, reach out to me if you have questions around what Expanse is capable of. The tool set available to you is, is robust. We have a lot of capability. You know, I think that one of the things I want to do is kind of change this mindset that you, you know, we obviously want you to be on Expanse, but you don't need to be on a single system to gain access to data. Your interoperability tools are there in that we actually look forward to kind of working with our client base on how do we improve and get level up data exchange and, and continue to kind of make advancements in this area, because I definitely do believe Meditech is leading in this space. Yeah. Great way to sum it up, Mike. It, it never hurts to ask is the, is the way I look at it. You know, right. if, if you think it can't be done, you might as well ask and, and find out. And then, you know, chances are a couple of months down the road, it maybe can be done as Sherry has proven with, with all the things they've done at Citizens. So very good. 
Well, thank you guys so much for your time. And, and thank you for taking time out of your day today to share with the Muse community. And, and Sherry, thanks for all your contribution to the Muse community over all these years. And I appreciate you guys' time. And I hope you have a great holiday season. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Muse Views. Don't forget to rate and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast fix. And visit museweb.org to join the podcast forum and for information about Muse.